0: Welcome to the Critics Not Cynics, 31 Days of Horror Spectacular, Day 2. And on this day, we're going to continue with the franchise that I started talking about in Day 1, and that is the Hell House LLC franchise. And just a reminder, these episodes are going to be a little bit briefer, um, since I'm doing a, basically a an episode a day for the month of October to kind of get you into that Halloween spirit. Um, This is my favorite month of the year. It's better than Christmas. Uh, It's better than my birthday. I don't know why. I've just always kind of loved October. I love Halloween. Um, Part of it just being a horror fan. And not that we just cover horror here on the podcast, and this probably won't be an annual thing, but I just felt, as within the first year of the show, that I wanted to do something kind of special uh, for this month. So we're gonna go ahead and move on forward into the review of Hell House LLC Two, the Abaddon. I might have the subtitle wrong. Don't at me. Um, so this picks up about uh, what is it? I think about nine years after the events of the the first movie, or definitely the events of the first of what happened at hell house um it's maybe uh, a year or two after the events of the documentary crew kind of going in to the abaddon and disappearing and all you have left is mitchell is the only person left from the documentary film crew and he as along with uh, kind of this brock davies character is kind of like a ghost hunter psychic spiritualist uh you never quite get the the, you never quite get it explained to me he always kind of he kind of comes off as a fraud but he's kind of not as you later get into the film um and this kind of investigative journalist crew that uh gets manipulated into kind of getting Mitchell uh to go back to the Abaddon um so my main issue um with this one and and this is a problem with a lot of sequels a lot of sequels can't live up to something as good and as strong as the first movie and especially with hell house llc it fires on all cylinders Um, this sequel tries to at least expand on the lore you learn more about andrew tully Uh, You learn more about the history of the cult and a little bit more about what is actually going on there. Uh, You learn more about what motivated Alex and Mac to pick that particular location to run their new attraction. Um, So I have to give it a lot of credit for that. It fills in a lot of the gaps or a lot of the questions that you might have coming from the first film. Now, is it... As effective is it as scary? Uh, not so much. I think uh, you have a a good um, set of characters. Like I said, like the, the the Brock Davies guy is is very good. It's coming off as this kind of cocky cocksure. Like I know. I know what I'm doing. I have delved in this realm and I know how to interact with these spirits and only I can put them the rest. Now you never know if he's you know full of it or not. Um, but he certainly kind of has this charisma to him and this kind of, you know, hard headedness that uh, he, that the actor does a really good job of portraying. And um, you've got then the investigative journalists group who are, uh, I didn't like the analogy that they like uh, that the one guy says, "Well, you guys could have been the next Buzzfeed." Like I don't view Buzzfeed as a legitimate journalistic source, uh, so I don't. I think that did the characters any credit, but um, they weren't as I think engaging overall. Like I liked Mitchell, uh, and this is why I'm, um, Molly is is one of the characters. I can't remember the uh, Molly's boyfriend's name. And I can't remember necessarily the uh, investigative journalist's name. Uh, that's like how ineffective that they were as characters that I really liked or really wanted to um, latch on to. But they all kind of they decide to go back to the the hotel to kind of figure out what happened to Diane, to figure out what happened uh, to the Hell House crew, to kind of figure out what why Why was this all happening? Like, what was going on with Andrew Tully? They receive evidence or documents that say, like, hey, there's more tapes in the hotel. Uh, you know, go there to find them. Now, one thing I did like about it is I don't like that the fact that the story is kind of mishmashed in the sense of you have this kind of morning mysteries program where, <coughs> apologies, you get introduced to... Uh, Mitchell you get introduced to Brock you get introduced to uh, like a city councilman Um, and then you have Susie who's the you know um, the host hostess of the show and they're all kind of talking about the events talking about the anniversary and then um, you get it interspersed with them actually going through and going back to the hotel so it's a little kind of mishmashed and it jumps around a lot and I don't quite like that whereas with the first one like you're you're intercuts or your your intersections are making sense like it's it's still chronological like it's it starts at point A with the documentary then it goes to point B which is the found footage goes back to point A which is continuing left where you left off at, point, at the end of point A at the first segment and then you go back and you're, you're kind of like following in the sequence whereas I feel like this one jumps around a lot especially when it introduces this element of all these kind of different people who have had experiences with people going missing from the hotel. Like, despite uh, it being shut off and it being guarded, uh, more people have gone uh, missing because of the hotel. So uh, I like those bits. Like, this could have worked and maybe even better as, like, maybe more of an anthology in the sense of we've just got bits and pieces of individual stories of others going into the hotel after the events of the first film versus, okay, we're going to intercut these little little segments, talk about these people that disappeared, then we're going to switch to Mitchell and their group, and then we're going to switch back to the mystery show, and then we're going to switch back and forth, back and forth. It just it feels really jumpy. Um, but it does more to kind of build up that lore and mythology that will later pay off in the third film. Now, one thing that I was super excited for was I didn't know that they were making this sequel uh, or that the sequel had been made. It premiered on Shudder last year and uh, I was totally caught off guard. I'm like, oh my God, they made a sequel. And it's definitely a little harder to sit through. It's not nearly as effective. Although, again, that, that clown they do some really great stuff with the clown. Uh, you know, there's one scene where they're kind of down in the basement in a fr- freezer looking at all these kind of old boxes and old documents. And the cameras are kind of pointed, uh, looking at them and looking out the door of the freezer. And you just have the con kind of slowly walk apart or walk past the camera. And, uh, and then another sequence where, like, they do the smart thing. They wedge the door open uh, to make sure that they can still get out of the hotel, like, you know you're going to go into this supposedly thing you're going to uh, supposedly haunted place you're going to make sure that you have the ability to leave that place and as they're getting ready to kind of run out as things are starting to heat up and 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 they're realizing that the the hotel is manipulating them uh they um place the clown like right in front of the exit and of course like you know no one's like i ain't going anywhere near that no way no way no way and so, you know, Mitchell, like, kind of starts to decide to go towards it. And then, of course, the... I can't remember if the clowns had moves or not. But definitely, like, then the door slams shut. So now they're kind of stuck in there. And um, they do have some really good sequences. But one thing... And this is a criticism that I know uh, the filmmakers couldn't really, you know, have a say in this. But... It being an actual haunted house attraction um, for Halloween, you know, they change things around each year and so there the hotel doesn't quite look the same. Like how you see it from the first one and then you go to this one, obviously since they've done different changes and different attractions and different like mazes and stuff, things are different. Um so you have a kind of a harder time like going, wait, this is the same place because this attraction wasn't here, but then now it's there. Um, but it does lead to some like really cool moments. Like the, uh, I think they're trying to get to the balcony and they're going through the, the, um, it's not an attic, but it's basically the attic, um, maze. And, uh, then they kind of get turned back because there's a haunted or there's a ghost that's, you know, kind of chasing them back. And that's a really cool sequence. Um, so, I mean, it has really cool sequences, uh, but it, it, story-wise other than kind of giving more of the background and kind of more exposition on the mythology it didn't quite work for me especially when um at the end it kind of i don't want to go into spoilers but it kind of leaves you with okay well this character is going to be out of there so where is he later um especially when you get to the third movie but this, I, I really feel, because as soon as this came out on Shutter and uh, people watched it, the director announced that they would be doing a third and final film in the franchise. And I knew, like, as soon as I finished that movie, I was like, I'm ready for this third film. Like, I want it now. And that's where, when you watch the second one, you, it, it feels more of just kind of prep for the third movie. They're really planting the seeds for what they want to tell in the finale. Now, one other aspect I didn't quite enjoy about this was they wanted to kind of go big or go home. And whereas with like the first one, they didn't have a whole lot of uh, CGI effects. It was all more pretty much practical. Maybe some mild my old CGI. They do a scene where basically a portal opens up in the basement and it doesn't look fantastic. And... I mean that's to be expected from a more low budget, independent film, and so I can I can, uh, I can reconcile that, but it's like, I would have maybe just made the noise or you know had some noise and then maybe just not even shown it just kind of panned away or something but i think that they wanted to kind of go bigger and and show uh better things and so i can't really fault them for that even if it doesn't quite work for me i can understand why they made that choice um again it's got two twists in it a little bit uh the one twist is quite obvious the other twist is not obvious uh i don't know if it needed both twists but i i still liked it uh, even though I expected the one and I didn't expect the other. Uh, and of course, you guys sit through some of the credits because credits kind of explain more uh, about kind of the reasoning for the original Hell House crew to be going to that specific location. So I still have to give uh, Stephen Cognetti uh, credit for this one, even if it's, in my opinion, kind of a, a lesser product than his first movie. I also appreciate the fact that It's him writing and directing it versus someone just kind of coming in and going, okay, this is where I'm going to take the franchise. Uh, So I got to give him kudos because it is his image. It is his uh, intellectual property. It is what his vision was for moving the film into uh, a, a next stage. So there's no issues there, even if I have um, I, I don't like this as much as the first film, um, I don't necessarily like it as much as the, the third film, I think the third film is even, even better than, than this one, um, but it's still a very decent movie, it's still kind of fun, especially if you're looking to kind of hit that Hell House Jones a little bit, that found footage Jones, um, because it's, it's still good. It's still better than most of the found footage, uh, independent found footage films are out there. So I definitely can still recommend it. Now this one is only streaming free on Shutter. So I would recommend if you don't have Shutter already and you're a horror fan, what are you doing? Because I mean, you get the Creep Show series now, which was fantastic, and uh, I believe we'll have reviewed on. The episode for Monday, the 30th of September. Now, I'm recording this in advance before that episode. but So, a little time travel here and there. But uh, the creep show show on Shudder was fantastic for its first episode. So, if you are a horror fan and you are not subscribed to Shudder, they're not a sponsor of the show or anything, but you're doing yourself a disservice. I mean, it's $5.99 a month, uh, maybe $50 a year for the annual. And you're getting access to a lot of great content. I mean, you have uh, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, you got a bunch of independent, uh, acclaimed horror films. A bunch of stuff that I still haven't gotten a chance to watch. I have like three subscriptions to it. I have it through Amazon. I have it through the actual Shudder service. And I have it through my VRV subscription. So what are you doing? Go subscribe to Shudder. Enough with that. (laughs) Um, Back to the movie. But yes, you can only stream it on Shudder for free or rent it on Amazon Prime. So I think on the score for this one, um, I'm going to go with a 3.5 just because I do have some issues with it. It's not as uh, innovative as the first movie, um, but it's still got some effective moments. It's still got, a, at least a, at the most part, a good cast of characters, even if some of them are less memorable. Um, I really liked Mitchell. Uh, I liked his kind of search for wanting to find out what happened to Diane and kind of building up that a little bit and uh yeah i definitely have to recommend it so all right guys that's going to do it for day two of the 31 days of horror critics not snicks, spectacular